notre quotidien. C'est sur Taïwan. Oui. fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. It is an area which we call the mystical underground. This week we're doing something a little different on the mystical underground. Instead of interviewing someone about synchronicity, the paranormal, or UFOs, I'm going to read a short story I wrote called The Devil's Chair. It's included in a book of short stories that I co-authored with Trish called The Outliers. You can find it on Amazon. The Devil's Chair by Rob McGregor. I eased into the parking lot behind the old brick building that housed the Deland Star Journal. My first job out of college, and it was my third day on the job. So far, I'd spent two days writing obituaries for town folks who hadn't died yet. They'd been well-known community leaders and were in failing health. Thanks to my diligent work, we were now ready to put them on page one before their bodies even cooled down. Today, hopefully, I would get a real assignment. I wanted to see my byline, Thomas J. Reed, on an article then I would really feel I was a reporter here. I had hoped to get hired by the Orlando Sentinel and had an interview the week after I graduated. The personnel director was impressed that I had been editor of my college paper, but after he looked over my resume and clips, he said, Tom, my advice for you is to go out and work for a year on a small town paper, then give me a call. But I can't promise anything. You know how it is these days with tight budgets. I was disappointed, but a couple of days later, I saw that the Star Journal was looking for a reporter. The editor hired me 20 minutes after I walked into the newsroom. Three others had already applied, but I was a local boy and knew the town. It was an entry-level job in journalism and the pay wasn't great. I'd already vowed I would start looking for a new job in six months. Meanwhile, I would do my best to make an impression here and get some good clips. My roommates at Redmond, the private college in this central Florida town, had a good laugh when they heard that I wasn't leaving Deadland, as they called it, for a big city newspaper job. Chaz and Dane could be real assholes, but I could tell they were glad I was sticking around and paying rent on our three-bedroom apartment a few blocks from campus. They both had another year at Redmond and were several weeks into the fall term. I walked into the office by the rear door and ambled over to my desk. The Star Journal was published twice a week and had an editorial staff of four, including James Flash Gordon, the editor, the only one in the news, newsroom at the moment. Gordon was in his 50s with bushy salt and pepper hair and a droopy mustache. He had a middle-aged paunch gained from 20 years 
on the copy desk of the Philadelphia Inquirer. For the past decade, he'd moved from paper to paper, city to city, and had landed in Deland a year ago. It didn't take long for me to realize that he had a somewhat jaded sense of humor, which I appreciated. I waved to him, morning flash. Tom, love your old bits, but you gotta tone down the dark humor. These folks in Deland won't appreciate your Mark Twain-esque writing style. I was just trying to be creative with a deadly dull topic. I get it. So I get an assignment for you that will allow you to go full bore into your darkest graveyard sensibilities. Oh yeah? Tell me. First, you need to do one more obit this morning about someone who actually died last night and was well known in town. After that, I want you to take a drive over to Casadega. You know about it? Sure, they worship spooks there, right? Gordon dropped his head back and laughed. You are definitely the right one for this story. We need a page one yarn for our Halloween issue coming up. Don't take the easy route like going on their phony ghost tour. If there are such phantasms as some folks attest, I doubt they're standing around waiting for the ghost tour to come by. Find something edgier that will captivate our readers and leave them wondering who the hell the guy is the guy who wrote this wild story. I got it, Flash. It'll be fun. You want to include some background on the weird town, of course, but keep it simple. You're not writing a paper on local history. Actually, I already had an idea. I knew more about Casadega than I was letting on. In years past, a, cost, a handful of costume Redmond students had literally terrorized residents of the spiritualist community on Halloween by racing through the narrow streets, screaming like banshees, and dancing and drinking on the graves in the local cemetery. That annual extracurricular activity ended abruptly when one of the old Victorian houses burned to the ground one hallowed eve. The arson was never pinned on any Redmond students, but enough suspicion was raised to permanently end the tradition. Last Halloween, I decided the Halloween issue of the Redmond Diary, as the paper was called, was a good time to look back at the college's strange connection with the spiritualist community. But the administration nixed that one fast. I grudgingly abided and instead wrote a page one opinion piece about the history of college newspapers and the threat against their First Amendment rights by self-righteous school administrators. That didn't go over well either, but they let it pass. Now a year later, my new editor was sending me to Spooksville. After compiling the obit on old Dan Cummings, a two-term mayor of Deland in the 1970s, I told Gordon about Redmond's link with Casadega thinking he would love the local hook. I was wrong. Forget that, Tom. That's ancient history. Besides, DeLanders don't give a shit about what you privileged private school kids did on Halloween way back when. Like I said, get something current or something old and make it current. Now that I was working on the paper, I had to stop thinking about DeLand as Deadland but ironically, the only people I'd been writing about so far were truly deadlanders, or soon to be. At least I'd be getting out of town to write about more dead people. How about a first-person story about a midnight visit to the Casadega Cemetery? There's a spooky urban legend about that place. It's called the Devil's Chair, and stop, don't tell me anymore. Go get the story. I like it already. I want to read it. First person is fine. But don't do anything illegal. You got that? 
If the cemetery closes after dark, get permission from somebody. Tell them you're an official, on official business from the Deland Star Journal. Show them your new press credentials, he added with a laugh. Okay, I'm heading out. I'll text you updates. Don't bother. Just get the fucking story. You can take your, uh, let, text your girlfriend or take her with you and keep track of your expenses. Not a bad idea, I thought as I walked out to my Prius. Samantha had actually told me once that she wanted to get a reading in Casadega. She could get a room in the old hotel. We could get a room in the old hotel and spend the night. Like my roommates, Sam was a senior at Redmond and lived in the dorm. She was in psychology right now, her last class of the day. I texted her, me. What are you doing this afternoon, Sam? Writing a paper for art history, me. I got a better idea, a trip to Casadega. Sam, really? I'm in. Call me after class, call you after class. This is so exciting, Tommy. I've never had a reading. We can get dinner in the hotel restaurant. My friend Arlene said they've got good Italian. I'd picked her up from the dorm, and now we were just a few minutes from Casadega. Yeah, sounds good. I was glad that Gordon was covering expenses, and I just hoped that included dinner for two and the hotel room. After all, I would be working late tonight. She also said I should get a reading at the house across the street from the hotel. Hey, maybe if I can work it into my story, I can get the paper to pay for it. Oh, fuck that, Tommy. I don't want you blabbing about my reading in that gossipy newspaper. I'll pay for it myself. Sorry, that was just a thought. She lifted her blonde hair off the back of her t-shirt, a habit of hers, especially when she was annoyed. Yeah, I know, a bad one. 25 minutes after departing, we arrived in Casadega, and I drove slowly through the narrow, hilly streets, lined by old wood-framed houses with picket fences and placards at the gates offering medium-ship services. A forest of tall pines framed the town. I pulled into the parking lot in front of the Casadega Hotel, a two-story Mediterranean-style structure built in the 1920s. We walked up the steps to the front door and entered a lobby that was right out of another era, complete with antique furniture. This is so cool, Sam declared. What a great assignment for your first article. We appeared in at the restaurant, which included a bar, then looked around a New Age gift shop featuring books, crystals, candles, incense, and Casadega t-shirts. Are you interested in a reading? The woman behind the counter asked. She wore a billowy purple dress that reached her ankles. Not right now, I, I replied. Where do we check in to get our room? Right here with me. Our first floor room was small and basic with three doors. One opened to a hallway leading back to the lobby. Another opened to an expansive porch that stretched the entire side of the hotel. And the third went to our bathroom. Sam set down her bag and sat on the edge of the bed. She looked around, unimpressed. I've seen closets bigger than this room. She quickly added, I want to go get my reading. What are you going to do? Get directions to the cemetery, I guess, and look around some more. Are you going to come with me after your reading? Can't we just relax? She smiled and patted the bed. Sure, later. I want to run over there to the cemetery and get some pictures before dark. Okay, fine, but I'm not going there at midnight with you. That's too creepy. I've heard those stories about the devil's chair. Yeah, what have you heard? I knew the basics of the legend.
but I wanted to hear what Sam recalled. The story I heard is that the chair was built for an old man whose wife and daughter died in a fire. He came and sat in the chair facing their graves for hours every day. They say you can still see his ghost there sometimes. So why is it called the devil's chair? Because if you're foolish enough to sit in the chair at midnight, the devil will talk to you. And if you come back in the morning, you will see the devil. Do you know the part about the beer can? I heard something about that. I pulled a can of Budweiser out of my pack and held it up. Supposedly, if you sit there at midnight and leave a can of beer for the devil, in the morning, it will be unopened but empty. Well, I'd rather see that beer can than the devil in the morning, or at any time. We walked out to the porch, and I wished Sam luck with her reading. I hoped she would find someone who was an actual psychic or medium, and not someone just playing the role. As she disappeared across the street, I noticed the woman who had checked us in standing near the door of the lobby. She was smoking, holding an ashtray in her hand. I decided to see if I could interview her for my article. After all, I had no idea if I would find anyone in the cemetery to interview, at least anyone who was alive. What do you want to know, she asked as I approached. Oh, is it that obvious I was going to ask you something? You look like someone who has questions. Maybe that's what you do, question people. Then you try to make sense out of the answers. That's good, you a psychic? Or just a good judge of character? I do readings here at the hotel along with tending the store and checking people into their rooms. I cover most of the bases here, but I don't wait on tables in the restaurant or make coffee at our coffee bar. I'm a reporter for the D-Land paper. Can I ask you a few questions? About? Casadega, of course. Wait, she closed her eyes and continued to hold her cigarette above her copper ashtray. I pulled my phone out of my pocket and started uh, started my recorder, I snapped a photo of her. The ash of her cigarette was lengthening when her head jerked up and the ash fell into her copper ash tree. No, you want to ask about the cemetery. Okay, had she overheard Sam and me talking? Or was she, well, an actual psychic? That's part of it. I'm writing an article for our Halloween issue. Can I record our conversation? Only if you promise to send me a copy of your article. May I use your photo? Yes, but make sure you call me the hotel manager and practicing psychic medium. Whatever, I thought, then snapped a couple more photos of her with my phone. I pulled out one of my cards. Email me uh, at this address on Halloween and I'll send you an attached file. She held the cigarette between her lips for a moment then took the card and slipped it into her dress. She exhaled a cloud of smoke. What do you want to know? First, your name. Cassandra Carmichael, but you can call me Cassie. How did you know I wanted to ask you about the cemetery? Uh, Stuff pops into my head. Sometimes it's a voice. Other times it's an image. I saw you standing by a gravestone, actually sitting by one. She shook her head. What is it about you and dead people? I see them around you. I shrugged. I've been writing obituaries. Cassie frowned. They're telling me to warn you to be careful or you might get what you're looking for. Does that make sense? I think so. I'm planning to go to the cemetery tonight at midnight. Will I be able to get in? Sure, if that's what you want. 
no one will stop you. I'll say this, if you go, you'll have an experience you will never forget. It sounded like a warning. Dinner, the food was good, but I could hardly eat anything. All I could think about was my upcoming midnight journey and planting myself in the devil's chair. I was both excited and nervous, remembering what Cassie had told me. Sam was talking about her reading, but I was having a hard time focusing on what she was saying. When she'd returned to the room after her reading, she'd been unusually quiet. She said she wanted to think about what she'd been told and would tell me about it later. All she revealed was that she'd cried. We drove to the cemetery after that, located on a hill outside of town, so I could take a few photos with my digital camera and orient myself. I needed to be able to find the devil's chair in the the dark. As I'd expected, Sam refused to sit in the chair, but I snapped a few pics of, uh, of her standing behind it. That's all she said. Let me see them. She slowly swiped through the images, examining each one closely, probably to see if there were any spooks lurking in the background. She didn't look happy in any of the photos. We wandered around for a few minutes, looking at the old graves, some dating back to the late 19th century, but Sam was getting more and more uneasy. Let's get out of here, she said, noting that the sun was low in the sky, and she didn't want to be here even at dusk. We wandered through a grove of trees en route to the car, and both of us abruptly stopped when we heard a sharp screech, like an animal under attack. The sound shifted to a howl, then laughter. A man and a woman burst out of the trees. Gotcha, didn't we? The woman crowed as she stepped out of the shadows. Sorry about that. We couldn't help it. They were a few years older than Sam and me, both slender and dressed in black. Their lips were painted black as well, and they wore heavy eye makeup. Their multiple piercings sparkled, and their tattoos seemed to come alive in the warm light of the descending sun. Sam took a couple steps back, but I responded in a friendly manner. Yeah, you got us. I bet you're headed to the devil's chair. They both answered simultaneously. How did you know? Hey, mind if I take a couple photos of you two by the chair? I told them about my assignment. Of course, that's why we're here. Again, they both spoke simultaneously. That was strange, and it was enough for Sam. Thomas, give me the keys, please. I'll wait for you in the car. Sure. Just don't drive away, I said, and squeezed her arm. I'll be there in a few minutes. With that, my new companions and I headed for the infamous chair. Can I get your names? I'm Bella, and this is Lugosi. Great, Bella Lugosi. No doubt Flash would give me a hard time about those fake names, but I tell him it fit perfectly for a Halloween story. Lugosi sat in the chair, and Bella sat on his lap. I took a dozen shots as they mugged for the camera. Where are you two from, I asked. Transylvania, Louisiana. It's a real place. Back in the room after dinner. Hello, Tommy. Are you even listening to me? You said you wanted to hear about my reading, and I'm trying to tell you. Sorry, I'm just preoccupied with my article. So the reader told you that you were going to dump me for someone else. Is that what she said? No, she said I would find my true love next year. I'm hoping it will be you. That doesn't sound very promising to me. Is that what made you cry? No, it was about my relationship with my sister. 
She nailed it. I'd heard about the issues between the two sisters and didn't want to get Sam started. Maybe the reader didn't know that you already found love. She called it lust. I choked back a laugh. Oh, sounds like she tuned in on something. I could see that Sam didn't find that any find any humor in that comment. Change the topic, I thought. Hey, do you want to see those photos I took of that freaky couple sitting on the devil's chair? I can pull them up on my phone. No, I don't. I've seen enough of those two. Did you notice they weren't wearing any shoes? No, I didn't see that. Really? How unobservant of you, Mr. Reporter. How did they get there anyhow? I didn't see any other car. Maybe they parked off the main road and walked up. Yeah, in bare feet. Why would they do that? Who knows? They're weirdos. Hey, you sure you don't want to go back with me tonight? No way. I don't think you should go either. Seriously, Sam, I'm not afraid of ghosts because there are no such thing. They only exist in stories. I arrived at the cemetery at 10 to midnight. In spite of what I'd said to Sam, I couldn't help feeling somewhat uneasy walking among the graves. The crunch of leaves and twigs underfoot seemed magnified and made me conscious of the silence and the sleeping bones lost in eternity six feet below. The silver moonlight cast shadows from the gravestones, enhancing the eeriness. I would write about these sensations in my article while noting that I was a non-believer. That would make my sense of uneasiness more palpable, I thought. I approached the red brick chair at 11.58. I scanned the graveyard, looking for any shadowy movements or shimmering visions. I couldn't help wondering if those two neo-goths were hiding somewhere again, ready to jump out and frighten me the moment I sat down. But the graveyard felt empty. It was just me and all the dead. I settled into the devil's chair. It had a broad back, a concrete seat wide enough for two people. Sort of like a throne, but not really. It was just a local urban legend, I told myself. Nothing was going to happen. I wished it was midnight tonight. There probably would be some activity here. Maybe a few costume visitors prancing through the graveyard. Something to report. But stories about Halloween appeared before the designated day. No one was interested in reading about Halloween events after it was over. Unless the reports concerned poisoned candy and razor blades turning up in kitties' bags, abandoned houses burning to the ground, or gravestones knocked over and marred with graffiti. I reached into my pack and pulled out the can of beer. I was tempted to pop it open and guzzle it down. Maybe I would even I would even toast the non-existent devil, but I had already decided to play along with the legend, so I set the can of beer on the arm of the chair. I should have brought a cushion to sit on. The chair was uncomfortable, and I wondered how the old man had sat here for hours. I adjusted my position and leaned into the backrest. In spite of the hard surfaces, my head nodded after a few minutes. I was overcome with drowsiness. I stayed up late last night reading, and now my shortage of sleep combined with two glasses of wine at dinner was taking its toll. Voices. I caught my breath, jerked awake. Was it a dream, or had I really heard people talking? 
I looked over my shoulder and saw the same couple entering the graveyard. They each had draped an arm over the other's shoulders and they were weaving like drunks. I slid off the chair, crouched low, and when I saw they were looking my way, I darted over to an old oak tree and ducked behind it. I would turn the tables and see if I could scare them. As soon as they approached, I would jump out and scream and wave my arms. I imagined they would turn and run or probably stumble and fall. The murmur of their voices grew louder. It was strange they would come back, but then that was what I'd done. Look, someone left us a beer, Lugosi said. My back was pressed against the trunk of the tree. They were only 20 feet away, perfect timing. My heart was pounding, do it now, I told myself. I leaped out waving my arms and started to let out what I hoped would be a blood curdling howl. But I caught my breath and my scream died in a gurgle. The devil's chair was empty. I looked around and couldn't believe that they'd somehow managed to move away without my noticing it. I hadn't frightened them away. They were gone before I had stepped out. We're here for you, Tommy. The simultaneous chorus from the two had issued from directly behind me. I spun around, but no one was there. My phone vibrated, a text from Sam. Get out of there, Tommy. Those two you we saw are dead. They were murdered outside that cemetery back in the mid eighties. Again, the chorus spoke from behind me. Stay with us, Tommy, stay with us. This time I didn't look back. I raced for my car and their voices echoed in my head. Tommy, Tommy, stay with us, stay with us. I tripped over my own foot, stumbled and fell. I crawled on my hands and knees seeking purchase so I could scramble away. I sensed they were directly behind me, hovering over me. A chill raced down my spine. Finally, I bolted up and ran as if death itself was closing in. I heard their voices one more time, both furious now. Stop, Tommy, stop. Sam and I sat at a table on the porch the next morning with coffee and pastries. We were packed and ready to leave Casadega. Look, I found it, Sam. They were murdered here in 1986, and they were from Louisiana. Here's their picture. My God, they look almost the same, except her hair is blue there, and he's got a goatee. Remember I told you their name, names, and they said they were from Transylvania. There really is a Transylvania, Louisiana, and her name was Bella, and his was Luigi, close to Lugosi. Now you've got a story to write, Tommy, except you don't believe in ghosts. I know, that makes it more interesting. I'm a non-believer, or at least I was, but then I saw something. Too bad there's no proof of it. What about the pictures you took of them on the devil's chair? Shit, I completely forgot. I pulled out my camera and flipped through the pictures of Sam standing behind the chair and a few others I'd taken. I came to the final ones and stared at the empty chair. They're gone. It's just pictures of the chair. So like I said, no proof. Sam shook her head. Let's get out of here. Wait, we've still got to go back to the cemetery. I want to see if the can of beer is there, empty and unopened. I still don't believe in the devil, but that would be proof of something. Yeah, the devil, Sam responded. From nearby, someone laughed. I looked up to see Cassie, who wore a long white dress and held a cigarette and ashtray in her hand again. I guess you had an experience, Tom. Yeah, I did. She took a deep breath, dropped her head back, and exhaled. Her eyes glazed as she stared at me. The beer can will be your proof 
but not the way you think it will. I thanked her and we headed on our way. En route, Sam explained that Cassie was the one who had told her about the murdered couple. She lived in the room next to us. She was smoking on the porch after midnight when I talked to her. She said both of them were shot point blank in the forehead. A handyman who worked in the camp was a suspect, but he committed suicide and no one was ever arrested. We walked up to the devil's chair for the final time, and the beer was still there and unopened. I rubbed my hands together now to see if it's really empty. I picked it up and was disappointed. It's still full. It's just an unopened beer. Are you sure, Sam asked? Of course, watch. I shook it up several times, held it out at arm's length and popped it open, expecting the foamy brew to shoot out. Instead, a warm red liquid bubbled over my hand and dripped in front of the devil's chair. I dropped the can and looked at my hands. Shit, it's blood, Sam. You got some on me, she gasped, wiping her arms. Oh my God, look. She pointed at the foot of the chair. Two small pumpkins the size of softballs rested in front of each leg and they were splattered with splattered in blood. I picked one up and then the other. Splotches of blood formed two eyes, a nose and a grinning mouth. Wow, I gotta get pictures. I set the pumpkins on the chair and fumbled in my bag for my camera. By the time I was ready to shoot the pumpkins, the blood or whatever it was had started to fade. I snapped several photos, but when I looked closely at the images, there was no sign of any facial features on the pumpkins. No sign of the blood. No, not again. Sam reached for the camera. Let me see. She swiped through the photos and caught her breath. The legend said you would see him in the morning. Look. I peered over her shoulder. To the left of the first photo of the pumpkins was the last image I'd taken of Bella and Lugosi. And now I could see them faintly, ghostly images, and I could see the back of the chair visible through them. Both had a single black hole in their foreheads. I already knew that Flash was going to call it a double exposure. It wasn't, but it didn't matter. To me, it was proof. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.